Today on the podcast, I sat down with Amanda from the Lioness Empowerment Project. According to their website, the Lioness Empowerment Project was created to give hope to women who have suffered from trauma and are preparing to create a new life. We know these women are capable of living self-sufficiently and of reaching their biggest goals. LEP is here to offer guidance, encouragement, planning, and seed funding to make their dreams a reality. The world can be changed one life at a time, and each woman we raise up brings her community to new heights along with her. Amanda's story inspired me when I was at one of the lowest points of my life, and I hope that it's something you can draw on if you ever find yourself in a similar situation. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. This is the podcast. I'm here with Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing tonight? Hi, great to be here. Awesome. We met in the Malice Locals community, and actually, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a story time. I was having a really rough day, and someone else in the community noticed, I won't name drop, but, uh, and they kept after me and gave me their email address and said, email me if you need to talk. So I sent an email to them, and I, I was suicidal, I'll just be honest. And she said, I'm at work right now, but you've got to talk to my friend, Amanda. She's really great. Please call her right now. And so I said, okay. And so she gave you her contact info and you tracked me down across all the social media <laughs> platforms. And I have, I don't think I've ever felt so loved, honestly. Oh, good. Um, yeah. I, I had to get to you. So I went yeah. through Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and <laughs> everywhere I could find you. You freaking ordered something off my website. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I left a message. <laughs> I thought, okay, I will talk to this person. They obviously have something to say to me. And there was some, oh, I remember um, actually when we first started interacting, I told you this before, but I'm going to say it again. I felt really intimidated by you because I was like, oh, she's so pretty and smart and fun. And she's probably way cool to be friends with me. Um, and so it just meant an extra amount of something when you like, when you trapped me down like that and you told me your story about everything you had been through. And I won't ask you to go into all the things, but it just, yeah. it saved me. I like your story and Bridget Fetis's story are, are two of the things that keep me going. It's something that I refer back to a lot. Oh my goodness. And ever since then, I've just been determined to get your story out to the rest of the world because I think it's so oh. valuable. So there's that. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, uh, the experience that I've had being able to overcome a lot of different things could help you and give you sort of a map of how to follow and also just an example that things can happen, uh, bad things can happen again and again, but if you just keep pushing through, you know, there's another day you can keep going and you can change your life as many times as you need to, to get to where you want to be. So I was super glad to talk to you. You were so much fun. And I'm really glad that we got to become really good friends after that. And then um, have a chance to meet in person and really hang out and have a good time. And I'm excited that you're doing this plebcast because I'm completely a pleb too. Um, the fact that you were intimidated by me is uh, <laughs> hilarious to me, but I'm really, really glad we got to know each other. And I'm really grateful for locals for uh, bringing us together and 
bringing the other contacts and connections that uh, we both know mutually and separately together because it's been great to have that community. Yeah, it's been amazing. How did you end up in Locals? I think I joined initially through Malice Community, mm-hmm. uh, malice.locals.com, and then I joined Bridget Fetis's community. And between the two, it's just a lot of really great people. It's fun. It's a low judgment. Like you can just kind of be yourself, say whatever. And a lot of really cool people that mm-hmm. aren't caught up in the world and how like mainstream narratives and all the chaos and drama of trying to keep up with that day to day. It's just normal people living their lives and I really enjoy it. I'm not going to make you go back through everything before you started your, it was your gallery, right? Yes, I had an art gallery called Art Art Galleria here in my small town and we were open for a couple years and when uh, COVID came we had to close down and we were pretty much month to month before that so by the end of summer it was pretty clear that that wasn't going to be able to work out so we went ahead and decided to close the business and it was um, definitely heartbreaking you know it wasn't just us we had a lot of artists local artists that sold through us and had booths and did classes. And so it was a lot of people that lost out on the way that they were making their living and um, kind of following their dreams and their creative path. So there's another store that stayed open and we kind of referred everyone through them and they've expanded some of their services and were able to take on some of our artists, which I'm glad there's, there's still some space for them. But um, yeah, we had to make the decision to close it down and just kind of follow our different paths. That is so many, so many stories, um, you know, much worse. I I had other um, revenue streams besides that business. So it wasn't as financially devastating as, you know, someone that might lose their restaurant or their family business they've had open for 20 years so I was able to keep going but it's it's definitely been devastating to see a lot of our small businesses go under here absolutely what were some of your other revenue streams I started doing marketing I did that on my own I started on reddit actually uh, just editing pictures and then started doing logos for free there's a couple different subreddits that people could request different things and I would do small marketing tasks for them and once I built a portfolio and then they would refer me I started charging a small fee and doing that more and more Um, through that I got working with some nonprofits and took on more of a marketing director role with them where I would run their websites from building them to keeping up the maintenance and then running their online marketing and uh, print marketing, pretty much whatever they needed. Um, I also did event planning and stuff through them. So it, it started with just me messing around on Reddit and then through following that and learning more and more, it took, it was probably about three years till I was um, hired as executive marketing director for a um, multi-location 
mental health practice. And that's one of the revenue streams that I keep today. Um, I really enjoy. And then I still do freelance marketing work and logos and stuff like that. And also work with nonprofits when you know I'm available to do so. And then of course I have my nonprofit now that I opened last year when it was clear I was gonna have to close my business and we weren't working. Um, I had to do something else. So we decided to go ahead and start our own. The therapist that owns the practice I work for and I partnered together to start Linus Empowerment Project. And that's the nonprofit that I'm currently running. That's the coolest thing ever. What gave you guys the idea to start this nonprofit? Well, uh, my partner, Kathy, is the owner of the mental health practice that I work for. And we had worked together at a nonprofit previously for women veterans who were suffering from military sexual trauma and PTSD from being at war. And she saw the benefit to them and the change in their lives and their families' lives when they were able to go through a program. And one of the things she saw missing was the next step. And she also identified some women through her practice that once they got to a healthy place, she thought they were ready for what we call aftercare or after aftercare, where the healing has taken place. They're at a good steady flow, but there's a next step. Like, what do we do now? And so Linus Empowerment Project was started with the idea to give these women a path forward and we do that mainly through business ownership by helping them identify business opportunities or dreams that they might have to start a business, helping them get through the process, paperwork and all the legal stuff to get started in the business and then help them with their initial marketing and get them off the ground. Um, we also do help with um, safe housing needs in case somebody's in a situation where they need to get into some safe housing um, and consulting and what other programs they might have available to them through the state or other nonprofits. But mainly we just like to get them started on their own business. That's absolutely incredible. I have so many questions about how you do that. I don't even know where to start. Can you give an example of some of the businesses that people have started? One of the biggest, the ones I'm most proud of is Joe's Place. And that is a lady who is a survivor of domestic violence. And she decided that the, what she found was that there wasn't a good place for her to go where she felt safe and had a chance to meet with other survivors and kind of talk with them. The ones that she knew of, she felt were too overtly, like a big sign out front and in the middle of town and she felt embarrassed to go there. And she also didn't, you know, she thought people might see her go in there that she worked with or that she knew. She wanted some place that kind of just looked like a home that they could go and hang out, maybe do laundry, take some courses on computers, just meet up and get that support that they need. So not a safe house, but like an aftercare house where they could kind of have community and have a safe place to go that didn't look like from the outside, like a hospital or some, you know, something that you knew what was going on. And we 
you know, Kathy and I both thought this was a great idea. It's something that was not available in her area. So we got to help her right away um, looking for property. She found a property and then having a recommendation from us helped her be able to get the funding that she needed. And we were able to help her with some seed funding as far as getting all her licenses and her business taken care of. And she's not quite at opening yet, but she's very close. She's getting everything put in there and furniture and stuff like that. And that's another thing like we can help do is put the word out and get people that can donate locally in the community for that project. And so hers is very close to opening. Uh, we also, one of the things that we offer almost all of the trauma survivors that want to do a business, we offer them the opportunity to take survivor advocate training. So we pay for that. And then it depends on the course, which usually a couple weeks. And then that allows them to work as a peer support or survivor advocate, depending on how much training they do, in which they can earn a little bit of money on the side from doing that, um, doing peer support, but also it helps them to be able to give back and kind of keep in that good mind space. It's always really helpful whenever somebody's having a hard time, I tell them, see who's doing worse than you and see if you can lift them up a little bit because that's gonna distract you one. So you're not thinking about your problems and then it's also gonna make you feel good. So it's twofold benefit and then you're helping someone else. So we also offer that and she had gone through that training as well. And she, she was one of our first uh, cases. So I'm really proud of her because her project is gonna be giving back so much to the community. So as someone who has a hard time figuring out her own business and what to do with her own life, it seems like a huge challenge to me would be trying to help other people figure that out. Have, how do you help people come up with ideas for businesses to start? Well, usually if they're coming to us, they have at least an inkling of an idea. Okay. So um, we have a lady that came and she said, I, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I want to help. She identified that there was an issue with police officers not being aware of cyber crimes. Hmm. When she had dealt with and other people that were in her peer support group had dealt with calling the police about online harassment, like severe stalking and, um, you know, pretty scary stuff. They didn't understand what they were dealing with. A lot of these police officers were older, or even if they weren't, they just weren't really familiar with the online space. And she felt like that put people in danger and delayed the reaction time because the threats weren't being given directly or over their phone. They were messages or online different platforms. So one of she didn't know what she wanted to do, but she kind of was like, I want to do something with that. So for her, we came up with the idea of coming up with an organization that could go and do training around police departments where you would offer this service, where you go talk to the police department, give them this training so that they're aware and they can better address these, these needs and deal with these crimes in a informed manner. And they can charge a fee for that. So she also thought about the possibility, she's between right now, whether they go nonprofit or not. 
And I said, you know, either way, because I'm sure that that would be a nonprofit that they could get some support for. And even if they were a nonprofit, they could still charge for those conferences or training sessions. Um, someone else came and just wanted to do something with animals. And so we talked it through with her and then she decided she wants to do a um, support animals for domestic violence victims in her area and focus on that, training them and getting them ready and finding, you know, adoption and stuff. So it's kind of, they bring it to the table, at least an idea of what they want to do. And then we kind of narrow down what's realistic, what's there a market for, and what do you have the skill set for? We have some artists that were just creating, painting, or we had the metal worker as well that just want to create. And so for them, it was just a matter of this is how you set up the online business. We help them with the website and their marketing. And this is how, you know, you make a sale. It's like, boom, boom, boom. You just kind of walk them through it a few times. And then we're just there as support. Like if they run into something, like I have no idea what's going on. They can shoot me a message and we'll figure it out for them, you know, help them get through. We kind of, our ideal is a year. We provide support for up to a year. And then after that, you know, we hope that they're well on their way. I'm not going to cut somebody off at the knees if they are still struggling, as long as they're focused and taking steps towards those goals, though. So going back to the marketing aspect, your marketing job, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes people make in marketing and how do you approach those things differently? One of the biggest mistakes people make is not targeting their audience, mm -hmm. um, throwing out too wide of a net, um, mainly because marketing costs money usually if you're putting out targeted ads or if even if you're just locally putting out flyers anything like that you want to target your audience and most of the platforms like if you're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram if you're creating ads to go out there you can narrow the audience down very specifically to people who follow certain people to people who follow certain hashtags people who've previously bought other things are clicked on other types of ads, men, women, certain ages and demographics. So if you have a local business and you just throw your ad out there to be all over all of Facebook, you're wasting so much of the ad time and money on people who aren't local to you to use your business. Um, and if you also, you might need to do a little bit of research to find out who your audience is. Um, you can do that through surveys, through asking, just asking people around your local area or friends or people in your community, and also keeping an eye on your analytics. So Google Analytics, or there's other programs that you can purchase for your website to find out who's clicking. So if you have no idea who might be interested, give it a month or two and see who's clicking, what age groups, men or women, what areas, and then you can target your ads to them. And that's gonna give you much more engagement and much more turnover. That's smart. I'm totally taking notes and I'm totally gonna do that. <laughs> so having you on is a little bit selfish on my part too. Yeah. No problem. 
Well, with your nonprofit, what are some of the challenges that you run into? Um, fundraising is mm-hmm. difficult right now. Um, one of the biggest ways that we usually fundraise is events because people love to come out and eat, whether it's a small, like come out and get some donuts or cupcakes and hang out for a little bit. Or if we do um, like a pool tournament or something like a fun run, we've done some of those. People like to come out and do things. It's a lot harder to fundraise from a distance. And in the last year, it's been difficult with COVID and lockdowns, people being financially unsure, even if they haven't lost their job, there's still that kind of feeling of uneasiness of not knowing, you know, what's going to happen next. Are there more lockdowns going to come? Is my job next? So people are a little bit holding that tighter to their wallet. Um, We do the best we can through that. We've done a distance fun run, and we're probably going to do another one where people just sign up online and run wherever they are, even if it's on their treadmill, and then they can participate that way. I'll do the next Uh, one. Let me know. It sounds great. I think it's coming up in like a month or two. I'm I'm putting it together now. But we're also going to do a comedy show. Who um, Josh Denny out in L.A. had agreed to help us set that up. And he's in with the comedy store. So hopefully he can get us um, some cool people to come together. But again, we're waiting on them to relax their rules a little bit. So we can do it in person. Because there have been some online comedy but it's it's not the same to do it online so mm-hmm. hoping for things to open up but that's one of the biggest challenges is finding funding um, we also look for grants um, and grant funding it's a long arduous process to write a grant but there's a lot of money out there I don't think people realize how much grant money is out there and it's your tax dollars millions and millions of dollars at the state and federal level. And um, as long as you can figure out how to write the grants and dot every I and cross every T, um, you have a chance. And that's a numbers game. So it's applying for 100 grants so you can get two or three. So it's time consuming, but when they pay off, it's it's great because you get a windfall into the program and then you don't have to worry about covering expenses you know, for at least a couple months, or you can put a few people through. My nonprofit, we don't pay salary. Uh, We don't take salary right now because we're not pulling in that much money and we want every dollar to go to helping these women. So our expenses are just basically running the website and that's, you know, nothing. Like we, we actually cover that right now. So everything that comes in right now goes out to helping these women start their businesses. When I looked at your website, one thing I thought was really cool was y'all have merch that people can shop or just, just different pieces of art that people can shop to support the projects. Yes, we have um, some of the survivors provide art that we put up occasionally. Um, and that just you know, they want to give back and find a way to help and support. So we put their art for sale where you can buy prints or if there's one of a kind pieces, those will go up there as well. And then we have just like t-shirts and hats that are real basic and just say empowered or have the um, Linus logo on it. And one of the things that I started doing is when we take on 
somebody for the program, I mail them one of the hats. I did it for the first girl and she was so excited. Like she cried and called and she was so excited because she just felt included and part of something. And I was like, okay, well this, this we're gonna keep doing for everyone else. And so I'm probably the biggest purchaser of our merch is to buy it and send it to our ladies. But it's just another way if people wanna support but wanna get something you know, back to show they've supported or it's, they're pretty generic as far as it just says, you know, empowered. And that can kind of be something that anyone would want to wear or they could wear. It's just another way to get support in. So if people wanted to find other ways to support your nonprofit, they could maybe donate art that they have made for you to sell on your? Yes. I would gladly accept art, artwork or one-of-a-kind pieces or even just art that I could use as prints. Um, I think right now we go through Printful where they can order a canvas or various prints if someone has a, a piece of art that they don't mind us using the digital version of. Um, that would be great because anything extra we can offer. Um, it's always nice when someone can get something back, you know, with a, with a donation. And of course, we also just take straight donations. If people want to donate, where can they go? They can go to blindnessempowermentproject.org and they can find whatever's available in the shop as well as donate. And they can see the projects we're currently working on and anything else, read a little bit more about what we do. Is there a project coming up that you're super excited about? The main one I'm excited about is getting the Joe's place done um, because she's so close to opening. And I just want to see that place um, full of women in her community that need that support. And it's been a long journey for her. I think we've been at it about eight months with her. Wow. So um, my favorite part though of everyone is when we finish their business paperwork and I send them their EIN number and it just has you know, they're from their state and from the federal. And it says like, this is your business. This is your business name. You're the owner that like solidifies it for them. And they get really excited. That's my favorite part. So I'm like, you're officially a business owner. Like, just like that, you made a decision. You said you wanted to do it. We did some paperwork and here it is. So that part's always really exciting because it's that first step and it's not very difficult. It just takes the time and motivation to do it. And then they get that instant reward of like, I'm a business owner. Like it's official. My name's on the paper. Here we go. That's super exciting. I want to go back to that period of time between when you realized you were going to have to shut down your gallery and then you started to open this new thing. What were some of the things you told yourself or focused on? anything along those lines to keep you moving through? Well, I also was really sick at the beginning of the year. Like I got coronavirus and had some complications. So I was in the hospital for a couple months and everything was shut down anyway. But as I was getting back home and like healing from that, it was becoming clear this, this wasn't ending soon. And it seems like this, these lockdowns are gonna continue on. And even after they continued on, it didn't seem like people were gonna be very quick to run back out to non-essential shopping and activities. 
And a lot of the artists had had to move on to other jobs. Some of them had to give up creating full time, which was heartbreaking, but it just, we didn't make the decision yet, but I was already looking. I had a feeling I was going to have to do something else or at least have something else going on the side. I was talking with Kathy about doing a nonprofit, something to work with trauma survivors because we had both previously worked together in a nonprofit and it was something I really enjoy doing. I like working in that space and helping people. So it's an idea we had thrown around probably for a year before. And we were on the phone one night and we're kind of just uh, sort of impulsive. We're like, let's just do it. Let's just start one and get it going. And even if it's really small, we'll just get it off the ground and it'll keep us busy during this time when everything's so crazy. And I had so much downtime for me. I always, I just keep rolling. Like I have to just keep going. I feel like if I sit still too long, I might give up. So I just keep looking for what's the next thing I can do. And that's based on my experience in the past. I've kind of had to restart several times through life changes or moves or big career changes. So I've just learned that I can start over, whether it's completely in a new place or in a completely new career. Starting over is scary and difficult, but it can be done. And I knew I could do it because I had done it before. So that's what motivates me to keep pushing through. Like I've done this before. I don't have any superpowers or special skills. Um, I beg to do it. However, nothing, you know, I don't have any special degree or anything out of the ordinary. I don't have like huge funding sitting waiting for me. Um, the thing that I do have is just that drive to keep going and keep trying. And every project hasn't worked. I've worked on several nonprofits that didn't get off the ground. They weren't mine, but I was working with them and helping them. And for one reason or another, they didn't get off the ground or they decided to call it quits and do something else. It's um, every step's not a win. And there's actually, there's a lot of losses and ups and downs and you just have to keep going. And I think that's across all success. Um, anybody that's successful, I hear them repeatedly say the same thing. They just kept going. They just kept with it. And if it wasn't working from this angle, you try a different angle. If that's not working, you try something else. You keep going until you find that place and you keep pushing it forward. And um, the other thing is I'm a really big dreamer. So I set my sights at the moon. And if I don't get all the way there, that's okay because I'm still getting somewhere. What I'm hearing then is if a current project you're working on doesn't work out, to not let that define how it's going to be from there on out, but just try the next thing and right. see what happens with that. Each failure is its own thing, which has a million factors going into it, which some you have control over, a lot you don't. And all you can do is look at what went wrong, where could I have done something different? And if it's a situation where you couldn't have done anything different, 
or even if you could, you just have to take that onto the next thing with you and make those little changes. And sometimes it's just a matter of doing the same thing, making the little changes um, or even just having a better setup, a better situation. Um, something that helped me starting out, I had no education, no connections in marketing at all because I was just starting out on Reddit. Something like this looks interesting. I took all the free online courses I could, read everything I could about it, practiced a lot by, by doing it and doing free work. And I got the feedback where people were saying, well, this is better than stuff I've paid for. I already paid this person $500 to make me a logo and it's been three months and this is what they gave me and it's trash and help me out. And then I make something, they love it. Like, I'm like, okay, that, that's that reinforcements. Like, I don't, I don't have the degree and I don't have this huge portfolio and time in some big marketing company, but I had the skill and built myself up enough with the knowledge that I could create something that they enjoyed. And if the customer's happy, then I'm happy. And I have to keep telling myself that too, because I get that imposter syndrome where I'm like, I don't belong here. I didn't um, do anything to deserve this spot, but if the customer's happy, then I'm happy. Yeah, I could see how you would feel that imposter syndrome. I I do kind of think you've done the work though, especially doing it for free for so many years and getting that feedback. It sounds like that hustle in and of itself, in my mind, kind of puts you in a position to have earned it. Well, it is at least based on the product. So mm. whatever I produce is what's speaking for me, not a degree, not a marketing agency or any particular background. Um, although now recommendations speak for me because that's how I get a lot of my work or most of it. What helped me working with the uh, mental health practice was being able to, after a full year, look at the analytics and see the growth and watch the impact of the different ads and the different campaigns and how we changed her website and the interaction engagement that went on. I definitely don't take credit for her growth, but she did go from a single office, single therapist practice to a three office. She has three locations and I think 15 or 16 therapists working for her now in two years. And obviously that's a whole lot of her work and her hustle and her drive. Um, but it, it didn't hurt to have the marketing and a great website and the ability to onboard all these people um, and integrate them into the program. I do, she does online billing and patient portal and I've set all that up for them and keep that going for them. And it's been great to see her grow. And I also saved her money because she was spending a couple thousand dollars on like Google ads and some other like automatic things that when you sign up for a website, they kind of push these, oh, it's this marketing package and all you have to do is buy this and don't worry about it. And I was looking and I showed her, you know, your engagement's not coming from here. Nobody's clicking from this, this, and this. And so we cut out a lot of that stuff and I saved her a lot of money, which she threw back in as a bonus, which is nice. That's but, awesome. That's what I like. Like, I like looking at and seeing like, okay, well, we don't want to waste time. We don't want to waste money. We don't want to waste effort. So how can we maximize what you have to get you 
the most engagement and engagement that's going to turn over into sales or customers or patients, whatever the case may be. So when you're working with these women in your nonprofit, what are some things you tell them when they're having a hard time and feeling stuck and needing help to move forward? One of the things that I do to fight discouragement is to remind them that we actually have no idea what's going to happen in the future. And that can be looked at negatively by some people because it's scary. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's also endless possibility. Mm. So this can go a hundred different ways in your benefit. You can start this business and in a year you meet up with a partner that wants to do something bigger or it helps you find your path to something else or it grows huge and you open five more locations. It can go any direction. So focusing when they want to hyper-focus on what the negative is that could happen, I'm like, that's one possible situation that we don't have any data to tell us that that's going to happen when it's an infinite number of things that can happen and so many of them can be good. And with the experience I have that if you have someone that's driven and motivated and passionate about what they're doing, the outcomes generally do lean towards the good as long as they keep going. So I just kind of remind them like, you've also come through everything you've come through and you've made it here and you have what it takes to make it to the next step and the next step. And don't worry about 20 steps from now, just worry about the next step and know that literally anything could happen. Things you couldn't possibly imagine. Um, my life is in a completely unrecognizable place than anything I would have even thought about. And things like, it's so far removed from anything I would have thought about for myself or wanted, like even thought was a possibility to want for myself, to be self-sufficient, to not be working at a nine to five somewhere and be in control of my schedule um, and be able to travel and meet cool people and do new things. It's not something that I would have thought for myself uh, five or six years ago. So you never even know what the possibilities are. So I tell people, don't limit yourself and don't hyper-focus on those negative possibilities. Yes, thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> I needed to hear that so much that night. Tell me about a time you faced an obstacle that you thought was insurmountable and what did you learn? When I left the military, I left with the clothes on my back and basically what I could fit in my car um, and had no idea what job I was going to do or where I was going to live. Um, this was basically homeless for a few months. Um, what I learned from that, going through that process was that kind of back to what I tell these women, you don't know what's coming next. You just know what your next step has to be. And Focus on that and keep in mind that what comes next can be absolutely wonderful and full of opportunity. And you just have to keep taking those steps. And I learned that I can come through anything. Um, coming through that situation helped give me the foundation to go through several more, several more very difficult situations in my life since then. And it's just that idea of like, you, you've done it before, you've 
come from nothing, started over from nothing. You can do it again if you have to. And that also kind of lets me let go of that fear. It's like, what if I lose everything? Like, well, what if I do? Then I'll start over and I'll make something work from there. And how do you feel personally and professionally? I would love to see this nonprofit grow to be able to help way more women um, and be able to hire some more people so that um, I'm not doing all the work every day because I can only help so many people at a time and I want to be able to get them moving quicker. I'd like to grow there. I'd like to maybe increase my marketing that I do on the side as well, build maybe my own brand around the marketing and get a website up and running. The funny thing is I was like, I'm in marketing, but I forget to market myself all the time. It's like the last thing I focus on. So it's kind of like self-care. You're too busy. Like being a parent, you're too busy taking care of everyone else to remember, oh, it's been three days since I showered. It's like, oh, I haven't updated my marketing website in six months, which I just realized a couple of days ago. So it's refocusing on, you know, my projects and the things that I have going on as well. So that it doesn't get lost in what I'm doing for everyone else. Very cool. Well, if people want to follow you on social media or check out your nonprofit, where all can we find you? You can find the nonprofit at lionessempowermentproject.org and you can find us on Twitter at Lioness Empower. And then you can follow me at A underscore Libertardian on Twitter and at Libertardian on Locals in Phetasy and the Malice group chat. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you everyone for tuning into the podcast. This is Serenity Maker reminding you to bet on Main Street and shop locals.